Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I would like to ask you two questions, and I want you to answer them in your own minds. If you are online or you are present with us, you need to answer these questions. Here's number one. Are you ready? Has God ever worked a miracle? I just in your head, think about that. Has God ever worked a miracle? Put that in your head. All right. Number two, is God working still today? That's two questions for you. Now let's grade the test. Are you ready? The answer to the first question is going to be based upon the definition that you give to the word miracle. Now we can't use our culture to define the word because I hear all the time the thing that says, Oh, the miracle of birth. There is absolutely nothing miraculous about birth. Zero. It is as natural as anything there is in the world. There you go. That's right. He laughs at all of us who think that birth is a miracle. That's funny. Now, therefore I want to pose to you the idea that miracle, if you define miracle as a supernatural act, then your answer to question number one, has God ever worked a miracle? The answer would have to be no. Because God has never done anything supernatural to him. Everything God does is natural. It's a miracle when he uses us to do it. So in the one way of looking at it, God's never done a miracle. He's never performed a miracle because when God does it, it's just natural. So if God is still working today, how's he doing it? He's doing it by his nature. This is who he is. God is still at work today. He's working today just like he's always been working. He has never stopped. Jesus even said, my father's been working from the beginning of time, John chapter 5, and even until now. God never has stopped working. But God naturally does things that we would call miracles when he uses us to do it. So, I want us now to think about the unexpected God. Now, when I was thinking about this all week, I was really trying to figure out, which way do I want to go? There are so many things that we could talk about. But I decided I wanted us to spend a few minutes considering the unexpected God to refer 
to His providential care. I saw, yeah, Michael's here tonight, McGaffey. I told you, I think, about him recently when he said, when someone used the term providence and mispronounced it or intentionally did so, providence, it changed his attitude about the whole word. And I really appreciated him sharing that with me. Because when we think about the providence of God, we're talking about how does God provide things to our lives? How does God work? What is He doing? So for a few minutes, think about the unexpected God in His providence. We think about the providence of God. I think about, number one, God works in unexpected ways and at unexpected times. Now, we this morning considered the God that we expect. We know who He is. We understand what He said. He's told us this. This is what I'm supposed to know. But tonight, this expected God comes to us in unexpected ways and at unexpected times. This theme is all throughout Scripture. Let's think of two or three of them at least. How about probably the most famous one, Mordecai. In Esther chapter 4, when the ruler was going to destroy all the Jews, his queen was Esther, a Jewish woman. And her uncle Mordecai said, it's time for you to help stop the slaughter. And he said, remember this, if you don't do it, help will come from some other source. But who knows but that you have come to the kingdom for just such a time. That was Mordecai saying God works in unexpected ways and at unexpected times. Whoever could have thought that this would ever happen, that a Jewish girl would be the queen of a heathen nation. God unexpectedly weaves things together. Move forward into the New Testament in Acts chapter 16. This is one that I've always found quite fascinating. In verses 7 and 8, Paul, Luke is recording it, about Paul's missionary journey. And Luke records that Paul wanted to go over here and the Holy Spirit said no. And then he wanted to go over here and the Holy Spirit said no. Can you imagine how Paul thought? Lord? You appointed me as a missionary. Now you're telling me not to preach? Well, I can see how Paul might have figured that. I can see how it might appear that you sent me on a mission and now you're telling me no. It was unexpected until he got the message to come over into Macedonia and help us. Okay, now I get it. But it was unexpected. 
We also get a hint from Nehemiah in the Old Testament in chapter 2 when Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king and his people had been brought into captivity of Babylon. Jerusalem was destroyed. Nehemiah was upset. The king knew it and he said, what's going on? And Nehemiah said, my hometown is destroyed. King said, I'll let you go. And then Nehemiah said, well, how about you write letters to the kings that, the men that control the king's forest so we can get wood? And how about you provide those men to cut the wood and so we can build again? And then he says, I knew that God was with me. Maybe when he went to the king, he didn't really know, is he going to let me go or not? But once the king said, sure, you can have that, then Nehemiah was to understand God was operating in the background. Maybe, if not the most, one of the most talked about stories in all of Scripture is Joseph. How Joseph was sent off by his own brothers into captivity. Years later, when a famine comes and his brothers are down there trying to find food in Egypt, they come to realize that Joseph is second in charge in Egypt. And when he finally revealed himself in Genesis 45 to his brothers, he said, You meant it for harm. But God meant it for salvation so that I would be here to help in this time of famine. Whoever would have thought that the day his brothers sold him to a bunch of heathens, that God would be using that situation. No way could they ever have expected that. God works in unexpected ways and times. And finally, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul is in prison. And he says, there are people who are trying to add burdens to my chains in prison. Oh, but I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul was saying, I understand that they think that I'm in trouble. They don't expect that God's taking care of me, but I tell you, He is. It wasn't unexpected for Paul that God was taking care of him even in prison, but it was unexpected for other people who are watching it. Can this be good to be in prison? And Paul said, yes it is. And I am set for the defense of the gospel. So the unexpected God works in unexpected ways and at unexpected times. Number two, I think God comes to us in unseen ways. These are things that we expect, but we just don't see it. We, we can't really put it together. And that's how God still is working. For instance... 
In Colossians 1 and verse 17, the Bible speaking of Jesus in that chapter as the creator of everything, then says, and he in him all things consist. Or as the word in its original mean, means, holds together. Scientists know that there are forces that are keeping us from imploding. There are forces holding us together. And the more they dig and the deeper they go into the creation, the less they can figure it out. But my Bible tells me that God's in the background. And through Jesus, all the atoms are held together. They're not running away because they're circling so fast and they're trying to run away, but Jesus is holding them together. In Him, all things hold together. He's in the background. Number two, Paul's in prison and he meets a guy by the name of Onesimus who had run away from Philemon, the slave owner, and he had brought him all the way to come to Rome. And in that Rome, he met Paul. We don't have the details, but we have the end of the story. He became a Christian. And now Paul is sending him back. And in that book, he says to Onesimus, who knows, but that he came for this very Purpose that you might receive him back as more than a, a slave, a brother. Paul said God was working in the background. He ran away, but God is taking care of this situation. He was back here, but God had a purpose. You see, God is working in unseen ways. He's working behind the scene. And every one of us understands the concept and idea of the providence of God. Here is the thing. You and I would like to have a little more than the idea. Just today, I was visiting with a young lady needing to make a big decision. And the question always is, which decision is what God wants me to do? Well, if I am supposed to figure out that there's only one decision that makes any sense and God is going to appreciate only one choice that I make, when the choices out there, not one of them seems at odds with anything about God. How am I supposed to narrow it down to one? See, I think God opens more doors than one. I think God opens a number of doors or puts a number of doors in front of us. And then he says, pick one. And once we walk through, we get a whole lot more choices. And God says, pick one. But haven't you ever thought today? I wish God would just tell me which thing to do. He's in the background. 
He comes in unexpected ways and times. So as we get to the conclusion of all of this, here is what I want to say. We should expect the unexpected. Well, now, how in the world can we do that? What's it mean to expect the unexpected? I understand how to expect that which I know is coming. I expect it. Makes sense. But if I don't know it's coming, if I don't know it's out there, how can I expect it? God says, expect the unexpected. Here's what I think that means. If God is back there in the background working all the time, if God comes to us in ways and times that are unexpected, I can expect that He's there. I may not know the specifics, but let me give you four ideas how to expect the unexpected. Number one, be ready. Be ready. Readiness is an idea in Scripture that we ought to hold on to. 1 Peter 3 and verse uh, 15, uh, Peter told us, Be ready always to give an answer to those who ask a reason for the hope that is within us. Be ready. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 20 and 21, in every house there are some gold and silver, some clay and wood, some for honor, some for dishonor. And if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, that is of the dishonor, he will be ready and useful for the master. We're supposed to be ready all the time. If I am always ready, when the unexpected comes, even if I'm not, Seeing the specifics, I won't be caught off guard. Be ready. Look for the fact that God is always working and be ready, number two. Be ready for that opportunity that God is presenting. I think that the providence of God, His providence, God's providence is God's way of saying, hey, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. Here's an option. Now what that means, I think, is this. God is constantly opening opportunities for us. I'm just not sure we're ready to see them. I mean, think about it. Every day we come in contact with people, and in those contacts there are probably opportunities that I'm just not seeing, and I need to be ready for them. Constantly in mind, to be ready means to be alert, to be looking, and to say, I want to see it. Our prayer should be, God, send me opportunities. passage of Ephesians 5 
And verse 16 says, redeeming the time. One version translates it this way, at least gives the meaning, not a translation, which I like the meaning. Take full advantage of every opportunity. We have opportunities presented. We just need to be ready, looking for them. Number three, when the opportunity comes, learn from that opportunity. Jesus in Matthew 9 and verse 13 looked at his, the people following and he said, Go and learn what this means. Well, Jesus, just tell us. Why do I have to go and learn it? Oh, he said, you go learn it. I think every opportunity that God provides is an opportunity for us to learn. And he's saying, go and learn. You know what I learned sometimes? Ah, I missed it. Now that I'm thinking back, I missed that opportunity. That's something that I have learned. I imagine you have too. Sometimes I learn that my eyes aren't open. Sometimes I learn that my heart is not on par, and therefore I miss those opportunities. But number two, sometimes I learn from the opportunity that I take. I learn to keep my eyes open. I learn to keep my mind in gear. I learn by interacting because of that opportunity. I have a chance to defend my faith. I have a chance to teach the gospel. I have a chance to learn situations. That's, one, that's what I can learn from God's opportunities that He places in front of me. So I need to be ready for that opportunity from which I can learn. But then finally, number four, rejoice. In all God's unexpected gifts. Which are the best ones? Which gifts are the best? Let me ask you. When your birthday rolls around and your children give you a gift on your birthday, that's really nice, right? But it's sort of expected. What happens on just a regular day? They walk up and hand you something. It happened to me today. A little boy here at church met me at the door and just said, Here, I drew this picture for you. It's not my birthday, but it sure felt like it because he just remembered me. God's unexpected gifts are a time for great rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, Rejoice evermore. Which, by the way, in the original language is the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament. Jesus wept in Greek is longer than rejoice evermore. In English... Jesus wept is the shortest verse. Rejoice evermore. God is constantly, unexpectedly 
providing gifts. Let us be ready. Use them as opportunities. Learn from them and rejoice that He continues to do that for us. That is the providence of God. His providence from the unexpected God. I hope today that we've been inspired not only by what God that we expect, but also the God that we might not expect and can appreciate it more and more. Thank you for being with us tonight here and online, looking forward to the time when we're all back together more than we've ever been. But until then, as always, may God bless our country. May God bless our church. May God bless every one of us that we will appreciate the God we expect and the God we don't expect so that we can have the life that He expects us to have. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.